Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's do it. So this is something we probably should have discussed before we started, uh, but you know, we have a, a major event happening on this pod. This is the last pod of 2022, and so that means we also have to do the final Rolling Stone rock trivia question of the year. Mm-hmm. Does anybody want to go ahead and do that at the top of the show? Sure, why not? <laughs> Pressure's on. Let's do it. We'll jump right in. And just to remind the listeners, we're playing for second place between Max and Kevin. If if one of these people gets it right and the other person gets it wrong, uh, the correct answerer this week finishes second. If both of you get it right or both of you get it wrong, I'm pretty sure it's Max. Um, but Kevin, since you are currently, uh, in the opposite of the catbird seat, um, and you are trying to claw your way up the ladder, uh, I am going to let you choose the question. However, I'm not going to make it quite so easy for you by giving you the actual subjects of the questions. Um, you are going to get to choose the relevant year okay okay your choices are 1977 1978 <laughs> and 2006 uh man i have to go the most recent 2006 all right your question is how many treadmills did the band <laughs> okay go use in the video for their career-making YouTube hit, Here It Goes Again. Did they use A, 4, B, 6, C, 8, or D, 12? I think it's 6. I'm going to lock in 6. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go 8, so that also gives me a different answer. All right, I'm I'm going to say 4. Okay. Final standings. In first place, Pierce. Ah. 21 out of 47 questions correct. You're the Iron Man of the competition. Uh, that is a a winning percentage of 44.7. They used eight treadmills. Oh, number so, one rule of of multiple choice guessing: if it's about an, a high number, you guess the second highest. To be to be so fair, remember, if it wasn't lowest. multiple choice, I was gonna say six. So I had to go with my gut. When he asked the question before giving the choices, I was like, I think there's six, so I, I had to go with it. But I was between six and eight for sure. So Kevin finishes in second with a flat forty percent, sixteen for forty, and Max, uh, you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory not unlike the new orleans saints and atlanta falcons do several times in any given year yeah. uh you you finished 
at a uh, 37.8% clip. So I going to mention the Patriots playing Josh McDaniels. <laughs> no. no, it's better it's better if no one ever mentions that. Um right. so yeah, that thus concludes Rolling Stone Rock Trivia for for 2022. I don't really know uh what we're going to do next year, but I think whatever it is, uh the only reasonable uh way to make it happen is that as punishment for coming in last max you you've got to facilitate the quiz master we'll see about that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay now that we've done that um we're we're gathering this week uh and and talking about something that pierce and i i think have you know separately talked about many times over the last few years, uh, but that we've been kind of chatting about a little in the last couple weeks. Uh, and, and that is the kind of insane proliferation of what we've sort of been referring to as like nostalgia tours yeah, uh, by, by bands. Yeah. I think we, we kind of hit the, the inciting moment and, and I think the peak of this was it is it the when we are young or when we were young tour I, f- I forget what it's called I would assume it it's or, when we were young given yeah. who all of the different bands were yeah so this is a tour and I think is it is it blink 80 blink 182 is is kind of the the focal band there but it's it's a festival of all of these bands, bands that were kind of the the pop punk, you know, kind of around then era. Blink One Eighty Two, Good Charlotte is in there. Um, there, there are probably forty bands. Like, it, it, if anything, it, it reminds me of they took um, uh, Van's Warped tour and were like, they're like, let's shake this out and and just kind of target it to to today and give it a different name and and maybe change the pain a little bit. But I think the thing that is jarring about this is you have these nostalgia tours now and that one specifically I think is aimed squarely at us. Um and I think that there we've seen a lot of this of late and I don't know for me there's some discomfort when you become the audience for these special types of of tours but they're not necessarily anything new. I just think the packaging is very different now. And and Max, I know that even, even you were kind of thinking about this. Um, I think last week we discussed it as a potential topic, but people kind of losing their minds over the Postal Service and Death Cab for Cutie. Um, it's not a reunion tour because they, they still tour, but those those happening in the next year, like touring together. Yeah, I mean, I think people losing their minds over over concerts is nothing new, though. Like, I don't think it was any more so than people losing their minds over Taylor Swift's new concert. That's not nostalgic. It's it throws me off either way. So I guess I don't I don't see it as being that necessarily different. The interesting thing with the 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 Death Cab for Cutie concert is is interesting because they are explicitly going out and saying we're gonna go play a set list from 25 years ago. Yeah. So it's different than like, if I were to, like I saw Paul Simon, I don't know, three years ago 
And you could call that a reunion tour in a way, but it wasn't. He played mostly new Paul Simon music. Did anyone want that? No. <laughs> but like, but that's what the concert was. It was a Paul Simon in 20, let's say 19 show. It wasn't a Paul Simon 19, you know, 74 reunion show. So I got what I paid for. Um, this is different, I think, in the sense that it's not only is it like nostalgia in who you're seeing, but it's nostalgic explicitly in like the the vibe and the songs they're gonna play. Yes, so there is some differences there, and that's that is the key distinction here. It's it's that the this this sort of new wave of stuff is explicitly it's all like built around anniversaries. Like it is not a coincidence yeah. at all that Death Cab and Postal Service are doing this, you know, whatever you want to call it, tour in two thousand twenty three. Because the one Postal Service album was released 20 years ago in 2003. And, and we talked, Pierce and I, like you, we've talked about this with, uh, you know, Stephen Hyden, who is like a music critic for Uproxx, did a, an oral history of uh, Modest Mouse's album, The Lonesome Crowded West, which is 25. Um, you know, like... That's that is the thing that has really stuck out to me is that like there is such this explicit emphasis on commemorating specific, you know, round number milestones of things, uh, things that honestly, in a lot of cases, weren't even that popular when they happened. And I think that the um, kind of the span that these go has expanded um 25 years to go the idea of like going and touring that that's a long time and you know you can you can just quickly do the math okay something that appeals to people um alone's crowd west amazing album i remember first listening to it when i was in high school um so you know and that was you know if i first listened to, to it in 2008 it has been uh you know, what is that? 14 years going on 15 years. Um, so it came out 10 years before that. So if you were 18 at, at that time, um, you, you are, you are looking towards 50 now, um, basically. I, I mean, you're, so like, that's, that's the thing is like the audience for this is so weird. So in some ways, the, when we were young tour makes a little more sense because, it's it's aimed at millennials as opposed to Gen Xers, which which this was. I will say a few years ago, I went to um, uh, Ockerville River did Black Sheep Boy. They did a, a ten year uh, anniversary run of that album. Now, ten years is is not that long, and and you know if it's an earlier album, you you go and you're still touring, and you're like, you know, I liked that. You you go back and you play it, but you're also still making new stuff. But that's kind of a, a fun departure. This twenty five years thing is just really strange, and it's not it's not a reunion tour either. Like they've been touring this whole time, so it's just very curious how. Now, kind of to max your point how do you balance the old stuff and the new um and and i think that this that's why the packaging feels different for me so you mentioned you said they've been touring the whole time is that true for most of the lineup of the when we were young yeah. tour it's just like bands it's good that no one really still pumping out cares. new music and touring do, do you well, want to know the answer to that question it's probably Kevin? True. I don't. Like, a lot of those bands I, quite frankly come to places like where i live and they play and the <laughs> tickets are 35 bucks and you go and it's fun but 
Well, I think the thing that I think that it's a basically an unanswerable question because, you know, in order to have a reunion, like you have to you have to have like a breakup and the the whole concept of a band like breaking up and calling it quits is I, I don't know, was more or less rendered moot by uh, LCD sound system doing an overwrought uh, goodbye show that they recorded a, a, you know, concert album and a freaking documentary at, uh, not coincidentally, 10 years ago, uh, and then being back to touring and releasing new music within less than five years. Yeah. And I think with that, too, there is an expectation that like they're going to take a break but but they're they're gonna come back and that's fine and they've released great music since then uh for inquiring minds um good charlotte did break up for a little while uh they came back together in 2015 they're still active or they released new albums in 2016 and 2018 um so if you thought that they that they stopped making music after 2005 which is probably what they'll be playing the music from um that that one album uh I mean, yes, they they continued to make music, but did they really? Well, and the reason this is happening is that, you know, in the 60s, the Beatles infamously said, we are no longer going to be a touring band. We are only going to record and release music. That just isn't a viable way to run a musical enterprise anymore. Yes. The literal opposite is true. Like you, I mean, we see it with the the nostalgia wave. Like you're you're almost better off, like not you know making something that's well beloved and then sitting on your heels for a little bit and then immediately kicking in the cycle of you know endless periodic nostalgia tours for that thing because uh, why spend the money on studio time? Yeah. Well, and and also I, I, it's a pretty common thing to enjoy bands old, you know, older works more than the newer ones, because I mean, in general, they probably spent more time on their first couple of albums. They probably just had more creative juices because that's kind of how the human brain and lifespans work. And I think perhaps before you would tour and You'd, you'd be promoting an album like you want people to go and hear a couple songs from the new album and go to the record store and buy those cds and now like you don't like they're not going to buy the cds either way so i'm guessing that the labels are saying like hey everyone on the internet likes your album from 1990 way more than anything else you've done so like if you want to get people excited about this tour you should say hey it's the 25th anniversary of this album that you guys all love we'll throw in a couple of songs too but we're also just going to play the whole album and that's how you're going to that's how you're going to make more money. Yeah, so I I do like the the album thing a lot. I mean, I enjoy that experience because you know something you experienced 10 years ago, you're going to experience it very differently now, but you're going to be reminded of how you felt about it 10 years ago. I would imagine if you're an artist, it's a similar thing. It is it is different, but when you do these that are album-based nostalgia, I think something that is really cool about that is inherently the artist is saying yes this album there is an important concept to it and it should be enjoyed 
you know, kind of end to end as a concept. You two actually did this recently for that one album that, uh, is it the Joshua um, tree, Joshua tree. Yeah. And there's one song in there that they never played <laughs> except for on, on this tour. And, and I think that I, I don't know. I find that really, uh, heartwarming in some ways. It's like, I, you know, I want you this piece of art. I want you to experience it on the whole as opposed to, I think that, you know, the When We Were Young tour and things like that. I don't know that they're going to play. They're just going to play the hits. Like you're there for the hits, not the the thing as a concept. It is, you know, let's let's do it that way. And that's that's fine. It's going to make a lot of people happy. But I like the, uh, you know, I'll duck as the tomatoes come. I like the artistic integrity of the album, the the, the album tour, like the, the sanctity of the, the album <laughs> is what we're here for. Okay. I will I'll throw into the mix that I like I I get where you're coming from but like I miss I miss the the previous version of this where the anniversary of something like that meant it was time for like a remastered reissue version where the disc comes with bonus tracks of like stuff you didn't hear from the recording sessions and that like that was the really cool thing where yeah. these uh, where these anniversaries were not quite so much like cynical memory plays as like yes that but also this is a legitimate opportunity for you to like go one to three degrees deeper into yeah. like what was going on with this band at that time. So like so, that, that is what I wish we could really have is like, you know, modest mouse goes and, and tours lonesome crowded West, but also like, not only do they play the songs that made the record, but they also play what I can only assume were the 30 other songs that didn't actually get recorded. So that is that is a thing, and I'm sure you have as well, Sean. I have purchased a lot over the years of um, Spoon special edition albums uh, for uh, a, a number of their um, they'll they'll do re-releases. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure Radiohead just did this for uh, uh, they did it for OK Computer for sure. I don't know that they did it for for Kid A, but but they do that, um, and then a person a little bit different but the special edition idea black pumas did it when they they won their grammy and there was a bunch of publicity and i bought it it's a it's a really cool album and there was also a related live album where they went to like capitol records and they just did a recording there so these exist out there and they're really cool the problem and this is this i'm glad you got this because this is a point i wanted to make those special edition albums, I think, happened a lot more. And we've, I think, discussed before here that, you know, touring is where you make money. But sometimes it's easy just to, like, have have an extra album and put it out there and make a little additional money from that. That doesn't happen now because you release the special album and no one buys it physically. They just go and stream it and then you're not making any money off of it. So I do think that that is kind of probably where a push for some of this goes like hey maybe good charlotte we keep talking about good charlotte but i really enjoyed good charlotte it's fine um maybe good Madden charlotte 2003 is, yes you know the kid the kids are the kids are listening to uh my first you know, console maybe, video game 
yeah maybe they're going back and listening to something and they're like streaming this and it's like all right we have people that are listening to our music but we don't have a way to tap into that because we can't release a spec it would be a cd they'd have to do a special edition cd good charlotte on vinyl is just oh well so there's another part of this there's actually another part of this too which is that um i don't know if you have ever been in a record store and seen the markup on one of these like special edition reissues they are out of goddamn control uh because there's a a pretty significant physical cost to like you know pressing and and packaging and shipping more vinyl records in a way that's a little more marginal for you know a cd like back in the the peak cd buying days you know you were probably talking about the difference between like fifteen dollars and eighteen or nineteen but now like you know a, a a reissue that has the the second disc with the the bonus tracks that might be a fifty dollar proposition if not more than that oh yeah i've speaking of special edition things Ockerville river last year maybe it's probably two years ago now did looking back on i believe 20 years of existence and it is huge like live sets for a lot live um recordings from each era i i i think that thing cost like a hundred dollars like this is this is like if i mean there was a lot of curation that went in that in this small group but yeah i mean i would imagine like you have to find this stuff and then put all this extra junk in it and someone's got to write a couple couple journals about what it was like and everything it's it's a it's a production i feel like going on tour is a lot easier um yeah i think that there's a a a good amount of it's probably just the like the label saying like hey do you guys want an easy buck then you know do this or release this or make this tour i think that the artists like to make new music in the form of new albums but it's probably not always the way they make the most money so it's probably a, a bit of a balancing act that they have to that they have to play there and i doubt that i mean there are some bands that probably do but i bet a lot of bands don't like think that hard about about like what they want to do for their special release they're probably kind of just told hey we think this would be a good idea like you want to sign off on it it's it's also from a concert perspective it feels like an extremely like safe space like just just a softball you get like everybody going there to see to to see good charlotte or or blink 182 or or whatever they just or, or if you're coming for a specific album it's like everybody really wants to be there in a specific way as opposed to like I don't know if you if you went to if you even if you go to a Paul Simon show and you're like I want to go and I want to hear the hits, but then he's like Ah, I just released an album last year and it's all about my relationship with um, these these uh, animals in this place that I'm trying to save and you can donate it blah 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 blah. Which is when I saw um, Peter or Paul, whichever one is of Peter Paul and Mary at UVA once. That was that was I mean it was for a good cause. He was trying to get israelis and palestinians to to uh you know be more understanding of one another um but that was what it was it was like oh you're gonna see this classic person oh and then you turn left so i think that the idea of like you know good charlotte just needs to go and play for 20 minutes and play the hits and get money and everybody will be thrilled i kind of think that that's that's awesome for them and the people that show up it's very 
positive as opposed to the the wrinkles and and uh thorns of of you know someone who releases their second album and it's not liked as much yeah yeah i i do think that the paul simon thing is a bit different in that it's so far removed he's so far removed from what made him popular that i don't know i think that there are conceivably people that go to a good charlotte show that want to hear stuff from the new album but i just don't know that that's the case with paul simon well, Max, didn't you? It, well, didn't you go see Bob Dylan when when you were in school, or was that Sean? I did. Yes. Fuzzy? Yeah, because he continues to release new music. But did you feel like you got you got it all there? That one's a really tough one to answer because it's Bob Dylan. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Bruce Springsteen is a better example and one where I saw him with Sean. Mm-hmm. Um. And the answer to that one is, is yes, I do feel like I got all that I wanted. Hell and that yeah. was something I was curious, I was going to bring up because you talk about like Good Charlotte and I think about like Goo Goo Dolls played in Bend last year and they're coming again this year. Um, as far as I know, it's not any sort of special reunion or anything for them, but they come and they play all their hits. And so like, <laughs> it's sort of like a reunion every concert. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm wondering like, like Paul Simon came out the gate and played a bunch of shitty new music but i wonder if a lot of these bands just always play their hits like there's got to be some some of some bands that just know like hey these you know like when we saw gorillas pierce they didn't they didn't even play feel good inc which whether or not you like the song like there's no debating that it's their most popular song whereas like i'm sure no they definitely did not whereas like i'm sure you know goo goo dolls probably played iris two to three times Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I question if some of these bands just like are already. You mentioned like you know what you're getting in the sense that they're gonna play the older stuff, but I'm sure some of the bands on the When We Were Young tour are still touring now, and I and they I bet they're gonna play the exact same set list at this show that they play every time someone you goes and see them. Uh, so I'm wondering if there's any difference there. I don't know. Guess what? 2023 uh, is the 20th anniversary of the Goo Goo Dolls album, Superstar Car Wash. Well, then, his Iris isn't on that, so... No, it <laughs> is not. getting Iris. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it is, I'm as someone who is not an, an artist, it has to be such a burden. On the one hand, it, ultimately, this must make them feel comfortable because they are choosing to do it. And they're, it's as we said, it's not a reunion. It's like just, well, hang on. hey, I'm still... I don't think that's how capitalism Did, works. Yeah, you just posited a situation in which the fact that someone is comfortable with something is the only reason they would ever do it. No, well, I, what I'm our entire saying... our entire world, our entire American society is based on threatening people with destitution if they do not do the thing that the market demands of them. Well, I I was I was beginning to make my point, which is there is this expectation that that artists are are continuing to create new art a lot of times and that must be tremendous pressure and so the fact that they're signing up for these tours and playing specific albums or just like i haven't done music in a long time so been playing and i'm just going to play the hits i feel like that on the one hand i'm like oh you know is is this a reminder that you're not making new art um but at the same time, someone is not asking you, okay, that's great. I need you to produce something new so that we can sell a new album so that you can go on tour to do it. Um, 
I, I don't know. I think that's probably kind of nice. Like telling telling Google Dolls, hey, you don't need to make any more new albums. Just go out there and play Iris 15 times. Everybody will be really happy. And I, I don't know. I think that that's, that, I mean, but relieving isn't it, that pressure is maybe nice. But isn't this also the ultimate slap in the face of like, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you put out new stuff. The people don't want your new stuff. They want Iris again. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a reminder, you know, it can go both ways, but, and, and Google dolls, I I don't know what they're doing, but for this, this other tour, they must be comfortable with that. I mean, we can check the set list when the time comes, but uh, maybe, maybe John Resnick is behind on his house payments, man. yeah, and general artists like the creative process, uh, and I think that it's usually out of necessity. Or even if it's, even if you're successful otherwise, like I think Metallica would be okay if they didn't play Inner Sandman every show. But <laughs> like it's probably like, hey guys, let's like play Inner Sandman. We'll play it at one point five speed. We'll be done with it, and we'll be done with it in three and a half minutes. And there will oh. be there'll be 20 percent of the crowd that would be very pissed off if we didn't play it and super pumped if we did so like let's just play it so i was i was gonna ask you that kevin this is this is a good point that we've gotten to so taylor swift is going to have this concert which no one will show up to because none of the tickets existed but it is called her eras tour which is you know interesting because it, it is kind of a nostalgia concert yeah I've, i thought about that as packaged um She's become one of the most famous people in the world, but a lot of the things that she is, uh, you know, has written songs about and everything, they are still relevant in her life. Relationships are are hard. There are some haters out there, I guess, and that continues to happen. So, you know, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead, sing that again, Taylor. It works. With Metallica, I feel like we've discussed this before, but as they have become super rich and famous and everything else... The content, if they were like, all right, we're going to play one of our first couple albums, does that, is there a point where some of this, it's like, it's cringy that you play that music given where you are now? Yeah, I think that that's I, one thing where it it can be not not great when they play the old, or an old album um, for a couple of reasons. Like one is, it could either be like a lyrical juxtaposition that's like okay like you're like 60 years old (laughs) is this like really something you're thinking about or um but there there can also just be a loss of technical ability like these guys can't really solo like they used to so like it's sad when that's brought to attention i think that was the bottom situation yeah or 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 singing loss of technical ability his voice was on its last legs 60 years ago yeah, so I, I think it's it can be. I I've been to many concerts that have or that were a, a play the album, and I actually find that I, I'm more hyped about it going in than coming coming out of it. And I think that usually the best part about a concert is when like a band takes a song that you kind of just thought was okay, and they just the live version just brings it to another level that you didn't expect. Whereas if it's in album song that you really love for a lot of like nuances doesn't always like show up in the live show so uh I, I find that the the concert the album concerts are usually a letdown because they don't have that element of surprise and because the band might not be the band that they were when they made it 
Yeah, and and I do think about some of these songs, some of these hits, and, and Max, you, you kind of hit on it too. Um, I, I do think some of them, they, they really can be a, a, a trap, and I think back to the, the idea of like, hey, are they okay with doing this, being reminded of it? And I think of, you know, Feel Good Inc. not being played. It's like, I, I don't want to just be known by that. And I saw Chastity Belt some years ago, Seattle Party is you know by far their their most famous song and and i think you know kevin as you kind of said like going into it you get really excited about that being played and you know they know that everybody has certain feelings attached to that and it's like as artists maybe you don't want to be known by that thing and you save it to the end and you're kind of bashful about it um but also then you go see that live and you see the band play it and it may it might matter whole hell of a lot to you but if it doesn't matter as much to them um that that can be like you know that can leave you really crestfallen so maybe you go to this when we were young tour and you're like oh they're gonna play this hit and you see like you know for whatever reason they are not they are not into it and (laughs) that would give me some some pause and being like you can't do that solo anymore or your voice can't hit those notes anymore so there is a reality in these tours that could be really upsetting for for the now 50 year old people watching the now 60 year old people do the song so you know maybe i've argued against it um but uh you know speaking of out west bands built to spill i feel like they do this pretty much every year they have an album they're like oh we're doing the 20th anniversary of a built to spill album that i've never heard before when are we doing our uh, our live uh, tour of our season one pretty okay recordings <laughs> oh yeah that's in a, concert that's a, our what a 10 year anniversary 2026 yeah. baby come see us do a light beer taste test live <laughs> <laughs> just a matter we'll be at that point and be like oh i, I you know my, my my stomach's a little sensitive to to gluten now and i just I, can we do smaller pours of all these that that'll be that'll be us at that point uh, though we could jump. though we could do we could do a uh a karaoke one live at a karaoke place and like actually go go through yeah the audio on over. that won't be fucking terrible yeah. <laughs> all right uh on that note let's let's maybe wrap it up and, and move to pierce's sorry uh what what is your final apology of the year so uh i went to Asheville for for christmas um really in in some ways to having had been around a lot of people over the last couple months to not be around anybody at all and to take the dog and it was it was a really good experience though um let me be the eight thousands to say wow that is too cold that is way too cold way colder than it should be anywhere um but I was reluctant, but said I was going to do it again because I'm a believer in like you should experience certain things more than once before you make a, a full on um, uh, judgment on them. So I am apologizing to uh, Burial Beer, um, the location on the south slope of Asheville. When I went there first time, I was not enamored with it. Um, I went there two days in a row um, just now. And it was lovely and amazing, and they were great, and they allowed you to bring your dog inside in the, the really terrible cold. They have wonderful beer, great staff, highly recommend it. Um, plenty of 
plenty of space. Um, in those two days, I probably spent like two hundred dollars there. I could not have been I could not have been happier going, and it was like really perfect. So um, if you're in Asheville, give them a visit um, and bring your dog. You can bring your dog inside, and I am I'm sorry, and hopefully I made up for that by spending a ton of money <laughs> money there. Um, so burial beer in Asheville. All right. Uh, let's do a big idea from pop culture to wrap things up. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of those days where I had an idea for something and then it gets kind of upended. Uh, we're, we're recording this uh, on December 29th, and today is the day that uh, Pele died. And it is also the day that uh, Vivian Westwood died. And that name is probably less familiar just off the top of your head than Pele. Uh, but she was a, a very iconic fashion designer who was, you know, I think most famous for being kind of the the creative force behind the the visual aesthetics of punk rock and uh, like you can't you can't imagine how you know how pivotal that person would be to to a, a movement like that because it, it is very much you know it was a, a multi-sensory experience um, and 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 the way it sort of looked and presented itself was every bit as important as the way that it sounded. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think I could really eulogize either of those people uh, much better than they were the best at what they did. And uh, it's a shame that they're not with us anymore. Yeah, but I, I think fortunately for both, like, understood and appreciated for their contributions in the yep. lifetime because you know too often go oh wow that that author was great we should have made more of how great they are um and i think you know it, it was recognized as dame vivian westwood so like there, there you go the the whole member member of the empire um and then you know pele to, for the last 20 i mean more than that but for the last 20 years every time someone's like FIFA player of of the century, greatest player of all time, Pele. Um, you know, so that's pretty cool to recognize people are great in their time. Yep. Uh, all right. That's the end of the show for the year. Thank you for, for continuing to listen to this. Still don't really understand why you do, but we sure are glad that you do. Uh, so hopefully you'll you'll stick with us into yet another year of uh, aggressive mediocrity. You can find us at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com, uh, which we are in the process of revamping. We've got some new ideas that uh, you'll, you'll definitely love, and, and not just if you live in a very specific geographic area uh, coming to you next year. Uh, but you can also subscribe to the podcast feed on your device and podcast app of choice. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back next week to talk about something else next year. Uh, until then, I'm Sean. 
I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.